Welcome to the Perspective Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm Andy. And I'm Lee. And we'll be talking about primarily the uh, political campaign right now, um, starting with the Iowa caucus that just happened. And uh, a little later, we'll talk about political ads um, from uh, all the major presidential candidates right now. Um, We may touch on a few of the topics later, but we'll get right to it. So last night was the Iowa caucus. And uh, for those who are not familiar, let me just kind of set the stage for presidential uh, election stuff. Um, The Iowa caucus, and then following after that, I think it's a New Hampshire primary. That signifies the start, the official start of the presidential campaign. Obviously, these candidates have been campaigning for like a year now already, officially or unofficially. But when it comes to the the election process, um, this is where uh, the primaries begin. And it starts whittling down the candidates to just the, the last... Um, well, all the way down to the convention where they nominate uh, from each party the one candidate that's going to be in the, the general election. So uh, so last night was Iowa, and it was a pretty close one. Want to speak on that, Andy? Yeah. Um, so this is also significant because in um, you know the last election cycle in 2012, um, this was the first major victory for the Obama camp, um, which you know eventually turned the tide over him against Hillary. Um, so we have Hillary again, uh, round two. Um, and this time, um, she did pull ahead, but only slightly. So 2008, I think, right? Wasn't it? Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so she won by 0.4 percentage point. Uh, for all those unaware, um, this was a major victory for the burning camp. Um, you know, virtual tie uh, means that he is neck and neck with uh, Hillary. And, you know, as in 2008, this is a pretty significant marker of... Um, you know, how the rest of the campaign figures to go for the primaries. So um, very big news for the Bernie camp um, and probably very scary and startling news for the Hillary camp. So um, now on the Republican side of things, um, as many projected, um, Ted Cruz was the winner with Donald Trump coming in second. Um, And perhaps the, you know, the most significant news from the Republican side of things is that Marco Rubio came in third, uh, which, you know, it distinguishes him from the rest of the clown car that is the right. Republican primary. <laughs> That's an appropriate name for that. I, I like that. Uh, so we have a basically a top two. Like, you don't see another Democratic candidate aside from Sanders. No, so actually um, another O'Malley, significant piece yeah. of news is that O'Malley has actually stepped down, so... Right. Um, that that's pretty much establishing that this is going to be a two horse race for the rest of the way, right. um, and you know perhaps also some more good news for the Bernie camp, as the majority of you know O'Malley's stances as well as his supporters were more aligned with Bernie. Mm-hmm. Um, so during the debates, he was more inclined to kind of side with Bernie than he was with Hillary, and um, specifically when O'Malley and and Hillary kind of you know debated or clashed. Um, he tended to side with, uh, you know, with Bernie's stance on certain things. So, yeah, uh, pretty significant news on both of those accounts, you know, from the primaries. I think um, the Republican one is going to be a little more interesting only because, well, you, the clown car. Uh, interesting, interesting in terms of uh, well, gossip column interesting or. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, in yeah. a way. I mean, because you have this rich guy who's right in the middle of it all. Um, yeah. And then the two more, and it's weird calling Ted Cruz a more establishment, more mainstream <laughs> candidate. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but he is, at this point, with mm-hmm. the Republican Party. Um, those two other ones are going to be drawing a lot of attention um, away from Trump, which is unusual for, him, for this for the rich dude. Yeah. Um, I hate that I had to say his name, but I'm, yeah. we've been talking about this guy for, for a while. But 
Um, and I, I do, I, there was a meme that, um, came out on the internet recently about, and I'm, you know, paraphrasing this about, uh, don't worry, Donald Trump's not going to win the election. He's there to make you feel comfortable or happy about the other person who's, who's going to win. And whether it's going to be the, the Republican nominee or, you know, the general election, you know, someone else that didn't specify, but basically the point was he, he's not going to win. He's more of a, a extreme sideshow to make you feel comfortable with our more conventional candidate. Um, and the reaction I got from online was like, it was a conspiracy theory and this and this and this. And there's a few people that many people agreed and liked the status and all that. But um, I can't see how any of that is really conspiracy theorish since every election happens that way. Um, we'll get into more of that later on. But I mean, what were your thoughts on, on that? I mean, yeah, I think it's fairly accurate. Um, I mean, I don't know why we're even still considering him a serious candidate at this point, but mm-hmm. I guess we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that kind of, you know, one's a fair amount of discredibility to the Republican Party um, that you're one of your two leading candidates is Donald fucking Trump. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, this guy, you know, a couple of years ago was in the WWE mm-hmm. doing suplexes on uh, Vince McMahon. <laughs> I missed that. Did he really? Yeah. No, he really did. Huh. This guy wants to be our president was in the WWE. Why doesn't he make a political ad using that footage, you know, of him kicking ass? Yeah, well, you know, that might be pretty effective. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I I think it's, it really is, I I believe 100% what the meme was talking about. You know, I think he's there. That way people are like, oh, anybody but Trump. So you have Ted Cruz. (laughs) He's not, you know, if Trump wasn't even around, Ted Cruz would be like this baby Trump. Kind of like, I can't believe he's even running and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, he represents a lot of what's going on. Uh, w- when we get to the ads later on, um, I'll get to... I actually th- thought that Ted Cruz, just from the ad itself, <laughs> okay, I got to say that, yeah. um, was the best one of the bunch from the Republicans. Like, I felt like more in line with what he was trying to do, except for one thing he said, but everything else is like, okay. Yeah. Know, I'd feel comfortable with this guy as president. Um, comfortable or, or less tar- terrified? No, from the ad, comfortable. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. if I'm just judging it from the whatever one minute ad or thirty second ad that it was, um, and well, I guess we'll speak more on those when we get to to the ads. But, but I brought it up now because I think that that's what's that's why Ted Cruz won. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because you have Donald Trump, and then Rubio just hasn't established himself enough, right? Even though he's a senator he's still from Florida, young too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Ted Cruz has had more of a name in traditional political circles. He's been around longer, mm-hmm. you know, got enough controversy to get more of the right wing as well. Um, so he, he's kind of like that perfect Republican candidate that Donald Trump is, is funneling everybody into because he's so, he's so extreme, you know? So it's kind of, it it kind of works that way in a a very slightly different way, or maybe a majorly in a major way, it's different for the Democratic party because Bernie Sanders is a more extreme candidate. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't call him extreme. Okay. But he's the more extreme candidate Mm -hmm. and Hillary Clinton is the establishment. Right. So I, I don't know if you want to speak on like the polls and how they were handled, um, but it just it always seems like no matter what, how much sense Bernie Sanders may make or how many people he may draw on the little tiebreakers, the little advantages. It's almost like we're playing in Hillary Clinton's home court, you know, are going to go her way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the whole, you know, Democratic primary is hosted by the Democratic Party, and it's very clear up to this point that the Democratic Party has put all their chips in Hillary's corner. Um, 
because you know as we discussed Mally was not necessarily um, you know an establishment candidate either mm-hmm. um, and Bernie certainly isn't so it's it's very clear that they've you know put all their efforts behind Clinton um, and when things aren't necessarily going her way as they expected um, you know some of the reactions and the results have been a little bit startling um, definitely um, some reactions and some testaments from the Iowa caucus yesterday mm-hmm. um, that things were not you know, conducted in a way that was fair to both candidates. Right. Um, you know, more times, more often than not, um, it was Hillary's supporters and and Hillary's you know views that were expressed and and supported in in those caucuses. Right. Um, numerous accounts of Bernie supporters basically being seated in the back of you know the the caucuses. Mm-hmm. Hillary supporters being you know sat near the front, allowed to sign in after the tallies had already been made. Right. Um, there was even one instance caught on the C-SPAN stream of one of the Hillary campaign um, workers misreporting, um, you know, the results. And so lots of instances that really show that, you know, the Hillary camp is feeling uncomfortable because, um, or when I say the Hillary camp, I mean the, you know, the Democratic Party establishment has yeah. been made to be, feel pretty uncomfortable because this is going to be a lot closer of a race than they expected in you know what they wanted so yeah um, yeah yeah it's that's the machine yeah that's absolutely. the machine you know um so it is a victory for bernie sanders i mean even if it's not officially a victory you know uh, i i would take it that oh, but very much so yeah, yeah I mean, I was, for for those unaware of bernie as i mentioned earlier like this is a major wake-up call that you know this guy does have a chance and you know he's worth he's worth considering yeah yeah i um as as the primaries continue um, it, I mean, there'll be a point. It depends on, on how many primaries are won by Clinton, we'll say. But there'll be a point where he'll, he'll know it's going to be difficult, you know, and he yeah. might have to drop out. I know he he made some statement like he's going to be there until the, con- the convention. Yeah. You know? Well, um, but you have to win a few primaries first yeah. to get there. I mean, we'll wait and see. You know, he's he's heavily favored in the New Hampshire primary, and no yeah. reason he shouldn't be because it's right. the Northeast, which is he's from Vermont, right? Or, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, the Northeast tends to tends to side, you know, as a consensus um, in terms of politics anyways, and especially, you know, one of their own, they're going to support Bernie. So, right. Um, you know, we can count on that going to him. Um, yeah. So this is going to be pretty pretty interesting to see how it unfolds. But definitely, like I said, they're making the, the Democratic Party establishment uncomfortable, and it would be interesting to see how they react. Um, another significant point is that the Hillary camp called it a victory before all the caucuses have been reported, Um when it really hadn't been determined a victory for Hillary. So they do. Um, yeah. 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 So either, either, you know, a little bit of overconfidence or, or hubris even, or right. either that, or they felt that they had done the things that they needed to do to make sure that, you know, Hillary would win, whatever <laughs> those things were. What are you suggesting? Um, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. I mean, as I mentioned, there were several, several things that were done, you know, by the party um, establishment that, that definitely supported Hillary. Yeah. Um, another, you know, anecdotal piece of, um, you know, testament that I saw is that um, in one of the caucuses, there was only one Bernie sign allowed and as many Hillary signs as they wanted. Um, so there was 25 Hillary signs to one Bernie sign. So isn't that a little blatant of a violation? Yeah, a bit. Yeah. So huh. okay. just kind of gives you an idea of, you know, the, the odds that Bernie's standing against, but also to the you know, the heavy favoritism or as you put it, the home court advantage that Hillary has being 
the you know Democratic Party establishment candidate. Putting aside your hopes, who do you think are the final two candidates that are going to be in the, in the general election? Republican and Democrat. I mean, honestly, I think it's hard to say at this point. I mean, I don't think anybody gave Bernie the credit to even make it to this um, point where he's, you know, basically in a dead heat through the Iowa caucus, which, you know, again, is just the first part of the primaries. But, you know, I think that that could change things and we'll see. But I I hate to say that, you know, Hillary probably is going to win it because that's just the way that, you know, that things tend to unfold um, in terms of the lead party candidate winning out. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least when Barack Obama was campaigning in 2008, he still was a, you know, a party candidate um, he wasn't necessarily an outlier and he certainly wasn't an independent socialist. Right. Um, right. So we'll see, but um, yeah. And for the Republicans? Um, I mean, like you said, I don't think that Trump is an actual serious candidate. Um, it still baffles me that the, to this point he's garnered this much support. But, you know, because of that, I think it's going to be Ted Cruz. Um, but all the same, I mean, Marco Rubio has made a pretty strong push and distinguished himself from the rest of the field. So, yeah. um, or the clown car, as you prefer. Right. Um, and so I think that if not for this election cycle, he certainly will set himself up, you know, right in a pretty good way for the next one. Um so we'll see. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Clinton and Cruz as well. Yeah. Um, it's uh, been like that for all the elections I've ever followed, where it's you have your extreme sensible and maybe not so sensible candidates in the form of Trump that excite people on, on the other side. Um, but the it's the more mainstream. And, and uh, I was talking with some folks online about that, and and some of them feel very comfortable with the system, going like, "Well, of course, we want incremental change," you know. Yeah. Um, we were we know a mutual uh, acquaintance, a coworker that likes the moderate approach, right? Um, incremental change because that's how things get done, you know. And there, there's something to be said about that philosophy too, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, to poo poo on the idea, um, <laughs> but if you're, I, 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 but I, I prefer the idea if you, if your vote counts, all right. If this election is a legit election, and you know fraud is at a minimum, minimum or doesn't exist, okay. Let's let's just pretend that that's the case. I like the idea of you voting for who you think should be president. Yeah, as revolutionary as that sounds, like that you know, don't vote for the lesser of two evils. Don't vote for who do you think is going to win the general election. Vote, vote your ideas. Yeah, one well, and also too, I mean, incremental change has gotten us to the point where we are, where you know, largely we're in an oligarchical system, uh, and to where you know the billionaires, large corporations, very wealthy individuals have a massive amount of influence over our political system, and right. that's. That's where the radical change needs to happen, and it's going to have to happen in a radical way for it to to really pry the power out of the hands of those types of people. Yeah, um, because incremental change is not going to get us far away from those types of you know powerful individuals and, and their influence. So yeah, the, the oligarchs love incremental change. Yeah, absolutely. Throughout they, time, not just in this mm-hmm. you know past couple of decades, right. through, through American history, right. throughout time, right? They you know. People in power like incremental change because it means that you know they get to co-opt it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got plenty of and time that's how to they adjust. Consolidate power and yeah, you know, yeah. That's so. That's I mean, that's why I always favor the candidate who's going to do something, you know, uh, a little more out there. Um, but it just never works that way. And and there's mechanisms. You already mentioned a few about what happens in the Iowa caucuses, but there, I'm going to bring up the Howard Dean example from yeah. 2004. Yeah, there is. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's how he's known uh, through time is the Dean scream. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so in 2004, this is pre-Obama, although Obama made the speech at the convention in 2004. Um, eventually, it was, it was Bush who won re-election and John Kerry that were the final two candidates. Um, now, at the time, I was very much, um, I guess I could say a believer in the system and figured like, okay, you know, it's, it's a flawed system, but I feel you can do, you can do some serious change with it. Um, and Howard Dean was the exciting choice. Howard Dean was Bernie Sanders at the time, was Obama at the time, you know, with that sort of, who is this guy? I think he was from like governor of Vermont, I think, speaking of which, uh, I, I forgot which state actually, honestly, he's, yeah. I think he was Vermont. Um, something about that Vermont state with them liberals. Um, I don't think he's from Vermont, but he is from the Northeast. Or New Hampshire. You can look it up if you want. Well, I'll talk about the story. So my girlfriend and I were watching, um, one of the earlier primaries. I think it was, I think it was, uh, Iowa and, he lost. Okay. Now he's a guy that had um, a whole lot of momentum. He was polling really well. Um, it was a bit of a surprise that Howard Dean lost this, this election or this, uh, primary. Um, and if you find it, you can just jump in and let me know like where, where are you from? I'm, I'm going to say Vermont's my final answer. Yeah. He's from Vermont. He was oh. governor there, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. He was a house of representatives and then a uh, Lieutenant governor or, you know, Reverse order. Lieutenant governor and then House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, and actually he started this whole like getting money through the internet thing before even Obama did four years later. Um, and he got a lot of support and a lot of uh, publicity for using the internet. And he kind of set, was a set the template for elections after that. So he did a lot of good for, you know, I think good for the political system. Um, so we were supporting him. He loses the election. He goes on C-SPAN. And he makes a speech to his supporters. It's in some ballroom, I guess. And everybody's there. They're a little down, obviously, you know. And uh, and he gives this really nice speech. It's not a very long speech. I guess say a medium size, you know, a few minutes to get them going. Kind of like a football coach talking to his team in the locker room. Like, it's okay. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to get up off the mat. We'll get out there and we're going to win uh, South Carolina. And we're going to win this next primary. And we're going to win that. And people are getting – and myself and my girlfriend at the time, we were just like, yeah, you know, we're – we're getting up off our chairs, you know, <laughs> and cheering. And and he goes on. He mentions like two or three more. We're gonna win, you know, South Carolina and Montana and Wyoming, yeah, you know. <laughs> and and we're like high fiving. This is great, you know. So you know, we go to bed happy, going like, hey, we lost this this primary, but there's 49 more to go. You know, there's plenty of time. We wake up the next morning, and the news on the internet is that Dean lost his mind. Dean went crazy. And my girlfriend, and I like, what happened? What happened? How did you know, there's got to be something else that happened, you know? Right. So we look it up and all we see is the last few lines, the last few words of him over and over on repeat where he's like, we're going to win this. We're going to win that. Yeah. <laughs> and they do remixes, like little dance remixes, like, ah, 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 you know, and it's like, are you kidding me? David Letterman put this in this like top 10 or whatever. And er so that within a day, especially within two, three days, but even by the next day, it's all over the news that he was unstable, that he was angry. That he was a little cuckoo, right? That he couldn't be a president because if he's going to be so emotional, he can't handle himself. Right. That was one of the, for me, <laughs> one of the major turning points where I saw the system was was rigged. And I, I'll use whatever word, rigged, you know, whatever. I, I felt like that we were we were there. Like we were there watching the whole thing. And that is not how it happened. But the worst part out of all this, worse than any of this sort of... Uh, I guess I'll call it gerrymandering. Although gerrymandering is more about you know uh, the way the, the the districts are cut up when they vote. But gerrymandering, I'm going to use it as a term just to fix. Okay, more than fixing it through the media and through the political system, was Dean's 
reaction. At first, for like a day or two, he didn't really comment too much or whatever. Then eventually, I think it was like a week later, probably because some political people whispered in his ear he should do this, he apologized. He said like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, sometimes I get a little hot under the collar, but you know, when I get upset, I, it usually means I'm focused. And he, he, he apologized. And he, then he tried to bend it as if it's a positive. That, that was a death note. After that apology, he didn't win anything else. He had to bow out within like another week. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the worst thing that could happen. Because then it, it basically kowtows down, you know, the idea that, oh, okay, whatever the establishment wants. And he, he lost power as a candidate. Um, and and I just, I mean, I, after that, and this is kind of goes into what we're talking about with, with Clinton and, and Bernie Sanders. I felt to carry, you know, because I definitely wasn't going to vote for Bush. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At that time, it was, I'd been like voting for Satan himself. Um, and, uh, I just felt very like, okay, well, Carrie, Carrie's okay. You know, he, I, I didn't dislike anything he said, you know, much more moderate than I would have wanted, but you know, it's better than Bush. So that's what I'm concerned about. And that's why I really, I, I've lost faith in the system where I, I can bet you money. Clinton is going to win the nomination. I'm not saying that Sanders isn't going to go crazy. They're going to loop some sort of, you know, crazy thing he's going to say. He's, he's, he's pretty level-headed when he speaks, you know? But I, I don't, and I, I wish he would. I wish he would win. I just don't think the system's going to allow it. Yeah, but I will say this. So this, you know, part of the system and certainly part of what you alluded to with the Howard Dean story is that it was the media that, you know, was responsible for that. And the media has their own interests in terms of, you know, yeah. the, the mega corporations that they represent um, and those those corporations and, you know, powers that influence the political candidates and the political system as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but those have less power than they used to. This is the biggest influence that the internet has ever had on an election cycle. And back in 2004, the internet was very much still in its infancy. Uh, they didn't have the, you know, the influence it had didn't have the amount of information and content that it used to have. Now it has that. And this is, this is pretty dramatic and I think fairly profound and, and will be historical whether or not Bernie wins. This will be, easily you know the most significant in terms of the amount of influence that the internet has had um, and that's significant because it's the amount of influence that has been taken away from traditional streams of media um, and so with that i think that that's why bernie sanders has a chance when he would not have in previous election cycles i mean he would have been the howard dean by now um, you know if, if not for for different streams of information and different streams of you know people People getting their information as opposed to just turning on the TV and that's it. Right. You make a valid point. Uh, I don't think it's enough. I, I honestly don't. Just because, I mean, you make a valid I mean, 2004, Facebook Have you even watched the news? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I haven't. And, and I, because I know, I know the power of the yeah. news, you know, and I know, I, God, I sound like such a humdrum Debbie Downer, but I'm, it, it, yeah, I, I'm not saying just because it's happened in 2004, it's going to happen in 2016. I, I'm saying it because it happens every election. You know, there's there's a Dennis Kucinich who is, was a socialist, okay, uh, on the Democratic Party that compared to Obama, he had no shot because Obama could say enough of the of the crazy wild liberal things to get the liberal votes, and be much more of a moderate, you know, moderate friendly sort of candidate, and you know, as we've seen through 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 uh, you know a lot of his uh, his his uh, term, I'm sorry, he hasn't followed through on some original promises. And I'm not saying just Obama again. I'm blaming more of the system. Um, Ron Paul is a great example who last election, you know, got huge amounts of help. Well, the last few elections, huge amounts of help from the internet, you know, and it wasn't like the people in general were like, Oh, the hell with Ron Paul, the Republican party 
they were doing like what Hillary Clinton's doing to to Sanders was doing that to Ron Paul, even in during um, debates where the Republican Party were were on stage, uh, the candidates were on stage. I remember one particular uh, Anderson Cooper just kind of cut off Ron Paul on one thing, asked whoever the other candidate was some question, and Ron Paul's like, "Dude, really?" <laughs> and Anderson was like, "Oh, we'll get back to you. Don't worry about it." And they never got back to him. Yeah. Um, so this is that case CNN, you know, mainstream media stuff that was already cutting out Ron Paul. So they've cut out Dennis Kucinich and Ron Paul in more recent elections. Um, and even even after they joined the party, Ron Paul was a libertarian. He became Republican just to see if he could compete. And, and it, it was better for him to do that. The same way that Bernie Sanders is an independent, has been independent for a long time as, as you know, as a congressperson um, and decided to go the Democratic route for the same reason Ron Paul did. You get more resources. You get a chance to speak, you know. Um, so so my, my pessimism about that is just based not just on – 12 year old history but on four year old history you know um do i think that bernie sanders has a better shot than ever before than any other candidate that's that's non-mainstream ever before absolutely you know um i i am willing to bet a lot of money that he's he's not going to advance any further than probably halfway through yeah, yeah so let's let's get a little uplifting let's listen to some campaign ads right yeah let's do it so um the first one was a hillary clinton spot mm-hmm. right I'm Hillary Clinton. I have been proud and privileged to serve as First Lady, as a Senator from New York, and as Secretary of State. I'm the granddaughter of a factory worker and the grandmother of a wonderful one-year-old child. And every day, I think about what we need to do to make sure that opportunity is available, not just for her, but for all of our children. I have spent a very long time, my entire adult life, looking for ways to even the odds to help people get ahead, to find the ways for each child to live up to his or her God-given potential. I've traveled across our country over the last months listening and learning, and I've put forward specific plans about how we're going to create more good-paying jobs by investing in infrastructure and clean energy, by making it possible once again to invest in science and research and taking the opportunity posed by climate change to grow our economy. At the center of my campaign is how we're going to raise wages. Yes, of course, raise the minimum wage, but we have to do so much more, including finding ways so that companies share profits with the workers who help to make them. And then we have to figure out how we're going to make the tax system a fairer one. Right now, the wealthy pay too little, and the middle class pays too much. I believe in equal pay for women, but I also believe it's about time we had paid family leave for American families and join the rest of the world. For me, this is about bringing our country together again. And I will do everything I can to heal the divides, the divides economically, because there's too much inequality, racial divides, the continuing discrimination against the LGBT community, so that we will work together. And yes, finally, fathers will be able to say to their daughters, you too can grow up to be president. I mean, let's be real. Are we we really worried about Hillary Clinton's granddaughter? Yeah. I don't think we should be. Um, Okay, you go. Well, I mean, it, obviously, she talks about a lot of really great points that you know really hit home with a lot of people, and 
um, are easy for her to say, but at the same time, I don't know that she necessarily stands behind all those things, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, talking about, you know, improving clean energy and making that the uh, source of an opportunity for growth in our economy, that she's taking money from all, all of the, you know, major oil companies and like, they're not going to want to see in- incremental change in terms of working towards global warming. So, I mean, it, it's hard to, it's hard to buy the authenticity to really anything that she says, but especially some of those types of things. Um, I mean, the other thing too, is that she, she sells, you know, one of the first things she talks about is that she was a senator, a senator and then a secretary of state. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the truth is she was only a senator for one term. She was, you know, very minimally effective by most accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was a secretary of state, which is, she was essentially just appointed uh, by the party establishment. So yeah. fairly brief political history. Um, and, you know, a large part of that was being first lady. So if we're going by the, you know, my family was in it, so I should be in it. We should elect Jeb Bush. Right. Well, that's... So I'll, I'll drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Bush. Bring it back. You weren't expecting a Jeb yeah, Bush, but there it is. Jeb Bush reference in this, at this point from you, especially. Um, <laughs> wow. So, okay. Well, well, Clinton in 2008, when she was running against Obama in the primaries, she was touting experience all day and all night. So if you're saying now she doesn't really have the most experience, one term as Senator, she never has. Um, and so, I think so, that the only experience that she's gained has been secretary of state, which was an appointed position, but she wasn't secretary of state in 08. Right. So I, I'm wondering, like, you know, how does she pull? Because Obama's big knock when he was elected was that he didn't have any experience. That was the only thing, the only ammunition against him was that he didn't have experience. He was young, charismatic, he had some good ideas, good-looking guy, he had a whole bunch of things, except he didn't, he wasn't there before. So Hillary was like pounding him over and over again with experience. I mean, remember the whole commercial? I don't remember, but you know, it's late at night and you get a, f- a phone call and it's insinuating the whole like the red phone, like is it time to go to nuclear war kind of thing. You know, who do you want there to, you know, to make that decision? It was a really controversial ad, and I thought it was in poor taste. In, in, in 08, that's where I lost respect for Clinton. Ever since then, I was just like, nah, she's just trying to use scare tactics like like those Republicans do, you know. Um, so I just don't understand, like, how can she – and that's just family stuff, like you're saying. How can she say she has all this experience? Yeah. I mean, most of it, large part of her experience, or at least what she's relying on us assuming was experience, was First Lady and just being in the national spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what most of her experience is. And obviously she did things as first lady, but that's not a political office and or right. it's not pretend like it is. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, you make a great point because most of her experience is either that or the appointed of office of secretary of state. Absolutely. She was elected in New York after she moved there yeah. <laughs> to gain residency oh, absolutely. there. Um, but yeah, actual elective office that she's held has been very, very minimal. Yeah. And as I said, by most accounts from, you know, experts um, that really looked objectively at her stay in the Senate, she was very minimally effective. She was not a leader in the Senate by any means. Um, and that's largely her, you know, her political experience. So, right. you know, I, I mean, I thought that what you will on the Yeah. No, on the commercial itself uh, and the ad. I mean, I'm going to say this about most of the ads, too. I thought it was pretty well done. Okay. If you're oh, just, absolutely. Yeah, if you're just judging, you're smiling through your teeth as you say that. Um, I'm just, again, going off the ad, all right, which I'll, I'll be saying some positive things about the Republicans as well, too, in, in a moment. But 
I mean, she goes with her background, right? And it's just always a good, it's all about touchy feely, make you feel good kind of stuff. I'm a grandmother. Right. You know, <laughs> or my, I forgot, uh, I forgot what she said at the beginning about she's the son of, or I'm sorry, the daughter of. Granddaughter of a factory worker. Factory worker, right? Yeah. You got to throw in the factory worker somewhere in your lineage. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Then you talk about evening the eyes and, and doing it for the children. Yeah. Okay. Including her grandchildren. Yeah. Um, and then good paying jobs, right? So you got the personal touch, right? You got somebody, I've been there with you. I've struggled with you. And I care about kids. And that's why, and she leads into her next point about good paying jobs through uh, infrastructure investment and then through like the whole science and research for global warming and all that. And you already addressed like bullshit, you know, on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, another point she brings up is paid family leave. That was like one of her major like applause points mm-hmm. as you know, early as a couple months ago, she didn't have a plan for paid family leave. Um, whereas Bernie did. Um, right. So it's, it seems like she's really taken on a lot of Bernie's talking points that really gained momentum and, and really resonated. And she's just kind of made them her own. Right. The LBG, is, LBGT community, um, yeah. race issues and so forth and so on. Um, some of these things actually, and, and this is, uh, we, we're, we talk about, I mean, I'll just say it like ideologically, I don't agree with maybe half of what she was saying. Um, but that's, um, that's not necessarily the point of the, of the, of the ads. But when we look at the Republican ads, some of the stuff that they're going to say may be scary to you because ideologically you don't agree with whatever their military issues are, you know. But I could say as somebody who's okay, I, I'm not—I wouldn't call myself conservative by any stretch or Republican, definitely not. But if I heard something like, "Okay, um, we're going to force corporations to share their profits with their, you know, with their workers," I'm like, "Okay, how are you going to do that?" Right. You know, I mean, unless you make some sort of law saying that everybody's going to be paid this for this company because you're so rich, and I'm. It- I'm like, you know, it's a really nice sounding fluff statement, but she has very little in terms of a plan of how to make that happen. Right. And, you know, because of all the large corporations that donate to her, it's very, very, again, they... hard for me to buy that yeah. she's being credible with that statement. Right. Um, her incentive is not there. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. So. so basically you feel all this, I know, I know you're a standard supporter at this point, but you feel all this is just bullshit. hundred percent bullshit. <laughs> I mean, maybe not 100%. She, I, I do believe that she is a grandmother. I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah. Um, but as far as some of the promises, like I said, she's really kind of just taken on, you know, talking points of Bernie's that, that okay. gain traction that she can kind of vaguely get behind. And she's made those her talking points. So it's very clear that she's not necessarily a, a political candidate that stands behind her values and that really represents the people. She's just doing whatever she needs to do to get elected. That's fairly clear to me. And, you know, if you really look objectively at this ad, it just confirms it. So Okay. Well, speaking of objective, we're going to be looking at Bernie Sanders next. Yeah. And uh, try to hold in your tears. I'll try. No promises, though. The son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq war, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges. People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change. Bernie Sanders, husband, father, 
grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. Well, so, I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, big talking points of his, but in truth, I feel like these types of ads don't necessarily benefit his him as much. Um, obviously, those are some pretty important points for him, but, like, if you really get into the details, like, he's the one that is able to back those things up. Right. Um, but let me just say, first and foremost, if we're going by the grandparent rule, Bernie's got Hillary beat by a mile. <laughs> he's got so many more grandkids than she does. So many more. Uh, I thought that was the best produced uh, commercial, um, probably of the whole bunch. Um, I actually like O'Malley's. O'Malley's is more of a traditional, but we'll get to that in, in a minute. But um, that looked like like a, a Tony Stark montage in Iron Man about his life, <laughs> you know, because it, it, it was it was it was flashy, but not too gimmicky. You know, it, 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 the the way it was produced and least looked like I liked. Who, you know who made that because they had a lot of you know um, character i mean if we're being honest like bernie's story in general sounds like it should be like a movie or a character like his he his relatives gra- came to america f- to escape world war ii and the nazis like polish right. immigrant escaping the nazis goes to brooklyn yeah goes to brooklyn becomes a part of the civil rights movement he's literally in pictures standing behind mlk yeah and some of the in some of the rallies like right could you make it up no, yeah, better than yeah. that. I mean, you know, yeah, that was, but it, that was a pretty slick commercial, though. It was oh, kind of slick absolutely. looking. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it really tugs at the emotional sides of things, but right. then also kind of gets a little bit into the substantive parts of of Bernie's campaign. See, I'm going to say, compared to Hillary Clinton, I thought, and it's not not Sanders' fault. I thought that Hillary's spot was much more substantive about what she brought up, point by point. Yeah, part of that is, of course, you take a clip from her making a, at the debates. You know, making her I forgot either introduction or closing remarks. Right. So she's going point by point. You know, um, this is a shorter commercial, um, and this was uh, more of emotional. You know, which I thought they did a good job of bringing his story to light. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is kind of introducing Bernie. Uh, people know about yeah. Hillary because she's been in the, like I said, the national spotlight for a much longer time. Right. Um, Bernie is a lot newer to a lot of people, so yeah, um, you really got to kind of introduce him. Who is he? That's a great point. What has he done? Yeah. Then you can get to the talking points. So. Yeah. This is this was mostly about him, you know, which is good. No, no, I, I agree with you. I think I think it's important at this point because Clinton has a head start. You know, oh, absolutely. Which is funny because you know Bernie Sanders has been around probably yeah. a little longer. Has been politically so we, active longer. He has more experience. Yeah, we discussed Hillary's lack of experience. Mm-hmm. He's actually been a legislator for thirty-four years. Right. So, just to give you a you know perspective on the experience, like right, he didn't even bring that up once. That right. He has experience or what he's done. Um, aside from you know they talked about he was a mayor and then you know yeah is kind of how he rose. But thirty-four years is a lot more than eight. And yet he's the anti-establishment candidate, right? Absolutely, which is which is interesting. Yeah. on that you know, so pretty interesting. Um, I will say one thing though to knock him, he sounds like Larry David. <laughs> yeah. That could <laughs> be a plus. If I were to close my eyes, <laughs> if I were to close my eyes and just listen, he sounds like Larry David. And Larry David just like yeah. drives me nuts. But yeah. anyways, that's a side thing. Yeah, don't close your eyes. Yeah, yeah. just keep on. No, I, I was impressed with the ad. Um, Again, it's two different judgments that we're talking about. One is right. the ad. It's, it's if you know nothing about Clinton and nothing about Sanders, how do you look at the ads? I thought yeah. both were good. I would probably be a little more interested in Sanders if I knew nothing about either. I'd be a little more interesting, interested in Sanders because of what you said, his story, you know, and the fact he's anti-establishment, you know. Um, and uh, and Clinton was good, but just because we know different things, we just don't believe a lot of what she was listing. Right. You know, 
Uh, but but Sanders didn't really provide any points to, to knock. I mean, he, he provided ideas, mm-hmm. you know. So you can't really knock like, you know. Uh, well, and also too, I mean, he, he touches on green energy too, and like they're kind of a little short blurb on green energy, green jobs, or you know, global warming, green energy jobs. Mm-hmm. We're very very similar. So if you didn't know any better and you just watched the two ads, you say, oh yeah, they're both doing the same thing there. But like that's right. obviously not the case. Right. All right. So next is Martin O'Malley. Yeah. Okay. Let's check it out. We'd like to make an announcement. We will not stick our finger in the air to see which way the wind is blowing. We will take stands, important ones. I believe that we are standing at the threshold of a new era of American opportunity. If only we have the guts and have the foresight and have the courage. We will not talk about doing big things. We will do them. In Maryland, we passed a living wage. We passed marriage equality, and we passed the DREAM Act. We made our public schools the best in America five years in a row. We will allow ourselves to feel, but steel ourselves to act. The week that Baltimore erupted was a heartbreaking week for all of us. In so many places in our country, there are whole swaths of our population that feel unneeded, unrecognized, unnecessary, and unheard. We must do better as a people. We will never forget where we come from, but always remember where we're going. My dad was able to go to college only because of the GI Bill. He was from a a fairly poor family in Pittsburgh, and only because of a far-seeing and generous nation, he was able to go to college. He was able to provide better for his family. And that's really what our country is all about at our best, is to recognize the potential in each individual to make us better as a whole nation. This is America. We don't coronate or hand out turns. We earn it. So initial reaction, I'll say this one definitely came off more as a political ad and like a, you know, tugging at your heartstrings, like almost like a movie trailer type deal. Yeah. But that, so it was to just, Bernie Sanders. What, what? No, true. It was. But this one very much more like they come in with like the rolling fields of weed and the large forest. And it's just like, yeah, I'd see that movie. It was OK. The first time this is the second time I've run through all these. The first time I ran through all these ads when you sent the links. Yeah. This was my favorite out of all of them. If you're just talking about an ad. Right. Because even though I felt Bernie Sanders is a little more edgy, like, like it was different in how he, he put it together. Um, or the, the producer put it together. This one had a good mix of authenticity and also a little more of a traditional um, movie trailer slash right. movie lad, you know, yeah. like you're talking about. But he also, I mean, obviously I'm not a Mali supporter, and even if I was, he's out of the race now. But um, he brought in specific points that he accomplished where he was at, passing the DREAM Act, marriage equality, leading with this whole, like, he's not going to put his thumb up in the air to see which way the wind's blowing. You know, he's going to do what he feels is right. You're smiling. Yeah. Go ahead. I just thought that was a funny statement. Put your finger in the air to see. What <laughs> well, you, you lick your that. finger and you know. find out which way the wind blows. You know, um, and that's that's and that he can and it comes in full circle at the end where he says we don't we don't believe in coronation. We believe in earning it. You know, so and he talked about his points about what he did. You know, with what when, when, with the power that he had. You know, so here's somebody. Yes, he tugged at the heartstrings a little bit, but it wasn't it wasn't about him. It wasn't about his like you know I was we finally didn't hear about the son of some immigrant story you yeah, know <laughs> no true you know and it was just about, like, about how he's a grandfather his the big thrust of his whole thing is like what he did but also like you know addressing the the Baltimore uh, violence which is yeah kind of tricky if you're a candidate and you address a very controversial thing in your in your state yeah 
and he and he and he brought that in to like you know we want to address all kinds of people who are feel uh, disenfranchised. We want to make sure they feel included, you know. So that so my initial impression and watching it again, I think it's even more so. I like this the best because it did the perfect balance of I've done this, this, and this. I believe this, this, and this, and we're going to try to include everybody in a way that isn't through coronation, like through Clinton, you know. Or through something just kind of flashy and just like a flash in the pan kind of thing. You know, he has experience too. Yeah. You know? 24 years on O'Malley holding public office. You know, and he's the definitely, the, he's the least known candidate out of all these, including Republicans. Yeah. You know, which is, and, and what did he get in the in the primaries? He got like 0.6% or 1%. Yeah. Well, and similar too to, I think a lot of the, you know, as we talked about Marco Rubio, I think the biggest thing for Martin O'Malley is establishing himself in the, in the, the national spotlight so that he can set him up stuff up for future elections mm-hmm. and i think he's accomplished that i mean he's certainly kind of gotten himself onto the national stage and and really put forth like here's what i here's my values here's what i believe in here's what i've done right. um, and i think that that'll definitely serve him in the future and and could potentially lead to you know a, a hillary clinton type situation into where she makes an, enough of an impact that she or that you know that he will get appointed by whoever wins uh, if it is one of the democratic candidates he could be a VP candidate, or you think that's not possible? Not a VP candidate, but he could be appointed to the cabinet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that he offers some value in terms of the, you know, the green energy jobs and um, right. that, you know, maybe he will become, you know, part of the cabinet in that way. But Right, right. But, yeah. Yeah, I kind of, it sucks that he's out. Yeah, I mean, he was. It does, but, you know, we, we knew all along that it was going to be a two-horse race in the in the Democratic side of things, so. Yeah, well, I got to say that with reaction to that ad and the career of Martin O'Malley, the fact that Bernie is far and away ahead, obviously it's Bernie and Hillary right now, right. makes me think. Because it's like, you know, most of the time, if you're kind of this middle of the road, moderate, I could do some, you know, Martin O'Malley represents a lot of what the Democratic Party is. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Or, or some, some Democrats would say should be. All right. Yeah. Clinton does not. And some may argue, you know, that, that Bernie does not represent what the Democratic Party centrist should be, you know, because he's more of an independent socialist, whatever. Um, so he, he, it's kind of this bizarro universe where he's Mr. Democrat. Yeah, I mean, he seems he's a not lot more any 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 uh, respect or vote. He seems certainly a lot more like a traditional candidate, and I think in a lot of years prior, he would have been a lot more popular. But I think yeah. that given the you know the way that we're going, I think that. You know, he wasn't necessarily what people are looking for now as much. Right. But I think the, down the road that he he certainly could be a you know pretty strong candidate. And, and personally, what I've seen of him, I I would certainly have preferred him over Hillary. Um, yeah. If right. Bernie wasn't an option, I I he would have some of my support absolutely. Right. So. right. What if and Bernie I, Sanders gets him as a vice presidential candidate? That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't see him as being a vice presidential candidate. I mean, that typically doesn't happen when you have like a, you know, front runner kind of taking on somebody that was third or, you know, right. Even competing against him in general. But um, again, I could see him being in a, you know, as a part of whoever's candidate or a cabinet um, and potentially running further down the road. So I, I agree. I think Sanders should pick Sarah Palin as a vice presidential candidate and that would cover naturally. his bases across the board. Yeah, naturally. Okay. Next would be, she should be Donald she should Trump. be on both sides as the vice presidential candidate. <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna vote. Oh man! All right. And without further ado, Donald Trump. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. We are.
are going to take our country and we're going to fix it. We're going to make it great again. We are going to fix our health. We are going to take care of our vets. We are going to fix our military. We are going to strengthen our borders. We're going to build the wall, but we are going to strengthen our borders. We are going to make it great again. We're going to make it greater than ever before. Thank you. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. The politicians can pretend it's something else, but Donald Trump calls it radical Islamic terrorism. That's why he's calling for a temporary shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until we can figure out what's going on. He'll quickly cut the head off ISIS and take their oil. And he'll stop illegal immigration by building a wall on our southern border that Mexico will pay for. We will make America great again. So there were two ads. Um, we're going to put both, I guess, on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the first one uh, was a little, little more tame. Um, yeah. And uh, I, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start this just because it feels something that like your your drunk uncle would say at the end of a night, speaking his truth. Right? I want to make this country great again. We're gonna we're gonna close the borders. We'll close the borders. We'll take build care of the our, wall. We'll build a wall. We'll build. <laughs> we'll take care of our vets. We'll build up our military. And we'll make it great again. And I've you know I think I have family members that have said that you know mm-hmm. where um it's a, it's a fear based sort of deal right. Um, and the second ad is a bigger one, but it's, it's kind of already inching toward this, you know what, we're fine. Like our, our economy will be fine, but we need to keep our borders safe. We need to make, make our military strong to protect us and take care of our vets. I actually like the fact you said, take care of our vets. There's a lot of candidates don't mention that right off the bat, you know, but anyway, so he, after we send them to war, right? Well, I know, I know. I know what's, well, I mean, at least, at least he's back our oil. at (laughs) At least he said that, you know? Um, so I don't know if you want to talk about just the first one first or whatever, but go ahead and, and react. Yeah, to I mean, saw. we'll talk about them both because they were fairly similar, but they were not similar. Are you kidding me? The well, second one was okay. like oh, was fear factor times yeah. 10. Anyways, his whole we're going to make America great again. Like you want to talk about a very ambiguous statement. Like, right. I think it very much appeals to, like you said, the belligerent uncle that's like, you know, what's wrong with America? Yeah. Illegals. There's Illegals. not a wall between us and Mexico. The Islams. <laughs> the <laughs> well, Muslims. The, the best line. Well, there's two lines about we're going to um, head, head off of ISIS <laughs> and take their oil. And take their oil. Right, on top of that. And then we're going to build a wall in Mexico and make them pay for it. You know? Yeah. Um, it's, I could just see somebody in their living room with a, with a Budweiser on their chest getting really excited about this. Yeah. Well, it, it does. I mean, for, for those who have that kind of ideology, you know, that whatever they buy into the whole fear thing that, you know, we're the greatest country in the world and all these other threats are out there. Why not? You know, why not speak the truth? And I think that's why he's going to get a solid 30% or what, no matter what happens, you know, he's going to get those people that are sitting in the rooms scared, you know, right. And be like this guy, you know, he's not one thing I give to Trump. He's not a moderate. He's not establishment. No, he's no, not. Absolutely not. I mean, you would keep calling him crazy and all these other things, but he's not. So he's, he, I, I wish I wish there were more people like Trump in politics. I would probably be more into the system then. You know, <laughs> Seriously. certainly be more entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I would be more into it, and I'd be like, okay, if we had, let's say, an ultra liberal, you know, and, and Sanders is liberal, but he's not. I mean, there, there, there could be more. Um, I don't know. Dennis Kucinich was one of the ones he said he wanted to create a Department of Peace and not a Department of Defense, like mm-hmm. because that there makes a difference. Yeah, with that, um, and universal health care and all these things, you know, which would be more liberal talking points, that like ultra liberal stuff, you know, um, even even though I don't necessarily ideologically agree with either either end, at least you have stuff to choose from, you know, you have some serious stuff to choose from rather than 
trying to figure out if Hillary Clinton is going to fight for the environment or not. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is that he picks a lot of talking points that are very hard to disagree with. Like, no, you know what? I, I feel like we should let as many Muslims in the country as possible. Yeah. You know what? I think we should let all the illegal immigrants in. Yeah. Or, you know, you know what? I, I don't think we should cut the head off of ISIS. Yeah. <laughs> or take the <laughs> like, oil. How do you oppose that? How like, do you oppose, you know? Yeah, exactly. There are a lot of uh, points that are very, like, I don't know. Yeah. America. Yeah. And it's mostly him. Like, well, the first, okay, the dads were different in this part. The first one was just him talking. Right. Right. Um, which that is the ultimate, uh, uh, I guess, meaning of his campaign is him. Right. Oh, yeah. It's All Trump. Donald. And I have a theory that I want to introduce now that, okay, I don't think he's going to win the nomination. But if he wins the nomination, if somehow he ends up beating Ted Cruz and becomes a Republican nomination for president, I think all his chatter is going to be more moderate after that. I, re- I think he's talking yeah. this way to get the Republican nomination. And then he, can- he cannot beat Clinton or Sanders if he keeps doing this. There's no way. He's going to get blown out 70 to 30, you know, in the election. But if he ends up talking like, you know what? I can work with people. I've been a billionaire for a while. And he starts talking about how he works with others. You know, as he says, the blacks. <laughs> he actually says that. Um, he, he, he's going to try. I mean, uh, he's still going to get blown out. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he, his tone is going to change. You're not going to see these ads in a general election. I promise you, if he gets nominated. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's also very much uh, just saying what he needs to say to get attention or to get votes or mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you don't have a microphone. Um, yeah. So the, the second ad was pulled. Um, and apparently it's hard to find, which, which is fine. That kind of goes to my point where he even knows his own limits. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'll say too, that when I was looking for Trump ads, that they were very, very hard to find. And pretty much the only ones I could find were on his site and they're still very minimal. Right. Um, very short and brief because I think that the longer he let him talk, the more ridiculous he starts to sound. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of ridiculous, is Ted Cruz next? Yes. Okay, let's check that out. Finally, someone had the guts to tell it like it is. The questions that have been asked so far in this debate illustrate why the American people don't trust the media. This is not a cage match. You look at the questions. Donald Trump, are you a comic book villain? Ben Carson, can you do math? John Kasich, will you insult two people over here? Marco Rubio, why don't you resign? Jeb Bush, why have your numbers fallen? How about talking about the substantive issues people care about? The media can't silence him. Washington can't break him. Because everyone knows exactly where he stands. If I'm elected president, enemies across this world will know the United States is not to be trifled with. We'll kill the terrorists, we'll repeal Obamacare, and we will defend the Constitution every single word of it. Crystal clear vision, strong, honest leadership. That's what it takes to win. I can't wait stand on that debate stage with Hillary Clinton. Ted Cruz for president. I'm Ted Cruz, and I approve this message. So Ted Cruz, um, as you said, he is a lot stronger than a lot of the other Republican candidates, and that he's very clear about what he believes in, and he very, you know, is unafraid to state what he, you know, is behind and, and you know, what the points of his campaign are. Um he brought up some pretty good talking points in the debate that, you know, the media tends to focus on those other things. But that's not necessarily news to anyone who's been skeptical of the media. I think that that maybe was shocking on the platform that he said it on. Um, mm-hmm. But all the same, I mean, it's, you know, everybody is aware of that. He did a good job of pointing it out and, you know, good for you, Ted Cruz. But, um, yeah, anyways. Okay. 
Yeah. Although I do want to know the question: Is Donald Trump a comic book villain? I think that that's you a pretty want to know the important. To all those questions. That's a pretty important question um, we should be asking. No, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna shock the panel here and say in a vacuum, political vacuum. If I just saw the ads and I didn't, I knew nothing else about these candidates. Ted Cruz would get my vote. I mean, out of out of even even the uh, the, the Democrat, and I'll tell you why. Except for the part about killing the terrorists, I think there are better ways to deal with that you know, foreign policy issue. <laughs> no, you got to kill them. Um, I think there are better ways. Um, yeah, starting with his 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 idea about like what the cage match analogy. Yeah. Right. It's beautiful. I wish more people would talk about that. Yeah. You know, and so and and he's saying we need to talk about substantive substantive issues. So we haven't even got to the part yet about like what are his you know beliefs yet. He does a little bit later, but I'm like yeah, let's talk about that. So I, I can know to disagree with you. You know, rather than your poll numbers or who's a comic book villain or whatever. I mean, it's entertaining, but we're talking about the time on stage is limited, you know. So then he talks about killing the terrorists, repealing Obamacare and following the Constitution to the letter. Following the Constitution to the letter to me. And again, this is this is per, this is my perspective you know, on, the, on, the, on this podcast. Yeah. For right now, unless we eliminate the Constitution and we have anarchy like I would love, let's follow the thing since we have it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that seemed it's one of those you think most people would nod their head in the room. But a lot of folks I've had a conversation with said, no, you know, the Constitution is written by these old guys and this and this. And I'm like, you know, it's adjusted every time with an amendment. Yeah, but we can't get amendments. So let's just do our own thing. So we end up having President Obama assassinated American citizens overseas because they're a threat because he says so. So th- those violation of certain rights because you're not following the Constitution is what bugs me. And that's not just Obama. Bush has done that, you know, too. So, so that talking point is a small one, but I'm glad somebody mentioned it. Ron Paul used to hit that on that. On, you know, yeah, hammer I mean, it's very much it. a contradiction of we're defending the Constitution to the letter, but then we're also going out and we're killing people overseas that have nothing to do with that. Well, no, what I'm saying is, is right. Well, okay, if you're okay, that's what I'm saying. His, his Ted Cruz's part about killing the terrorists, right? I just dis, I disagree with that because yeah. that kind of goes against what he's saying. I'm saying other constitutionalists in the past, let's say like Ron Paul, would say, no, we're not going to get involved overseas because that's you know, he doesn't like the war. I mean, Ron Paul would would defend the constitution, including not going overseas. So I like that idea of being able to follow the constitution, and not be ashamed of it, not be one of those oh, you're following the constitution, you don't really care about what's happening today, you know. Um, the Obamacare thing, we probably could talk about this in another podcast. I'm all about repealing it. And now I'm going to get like hate mail from <laughs> everybody. Um, anything that makes forces somebody to pay for something just for simply being alive, I have a problem with. So even if you just modify it a little bit to where there's no fine, there's no penalty, you know, 70 bucks if you don't pay for health insurance because you just choose not to have health insurance, that would be okay with me. But once you start forcing people, I mean, like a driver's license is an example, right? If I don't want to drive, if I don't have a car, I don't have to get a driver's license, right? So with Obamacare, if I don't want health insurance, too bad because I am simply alive. <laughs> but because I exist, I have to pay into it because that would have be able to afford you know coverage for for other people. So so like ideologically, Ted Cruz appeals to me the most just from these ads, you know, uh, except for the terrorist part because I think terrorism is other as other things. I'm sure you want to respond to that. So. Well, I won't get too much more into the Obamacare part. I mean, I think that the issue of healthcare in general and how it should be handled is a fairly complicated issue. But sure. I think that the easy solution to that is a single payer system. But again, that's a larger debate for another time. But sure, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, he does. He doesn't hide about what he's again what he's standing behind and you know okay. what he's going to put out there. So right. I think that in that he does a pretty good job of you know of presenting himself in that ad. Makes himself, you know, come forward as a no-nonsense candidate that yeah. is concerned about issues and not about 
right. you know, whatever is, silly things that are coming out of Donald Trump's mouth. Yeah, he doesn't seem as crazy as normal Ted Cruz. No. no. Definitely not as crazy as regular <laughs> Which, Ted again, Donald Trump. credit to the person who made the ad of yeah. <laughs> making him seem sensible. All right, so. Rubio is next, I believe. This is a civilizational struggle between the values of freedom and liberty and radical Islamic terror. What happened in Paris could happen here. There is no middle ground. These aren't disgruntled or disempowered people. These are radical terrorists who want to kill us because we let women drive, because we let girls go to school. I'm Marco Rubio. I approve this message because there can be no arrangement or negotiation. Either they win or we do. Well, if you want to come across as a uh, fairly extreme candidate, um, that's the way to do it, Marco Rubio. You've accomplished that mission. Yeah, that was a terrible ad. That if you want to talk about scare ads, Jesus Christ. Man. It happened in Paris. Freedom. It could happen here. There is no middle ground. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's kind of open for debate, Marco Rubio. Yeah. There, there usually is some kind of middle ground. Like At least I like Donald Trump because he wanted to make America great again. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't talk at all about what he's going to do for America and how to make it great. But... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he sounds like a military commander. Like, yeah, well, he sounds like like a, a hitman for hire. Like, yeah, an assassin oh, absolutely. Like, basically, here's my resume. Yeah, we will kill them if you hire me. Now he doesn't even say anything about what he's done. He just says what he's gonna do. Yeah, it's like a threat ad. It's kind of scary. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so, so he's I feel a, scared. The, you know what? I think I need to vote for him. He's gonna protect me. He's gonna make me feel safe. <laughs> There's so those are the top three Republican um, uh, nominee or I guess candidates. Yeah. So Ted Cruz is now looking like the sensible one, which is just weird, mind-boggling. Yeah, and but perhaps Trump, what you alluded to before is that that's the purpose of the other ones. Yeah. Is to, hey, maybe he's not so bad. Yeah, now. Rubio. I honestly didn't know much about Rubio before. You know this, and like that's wow. It um, was jarring. Yeah, it was definitely jarring. Okay, well, he spoke his mind. That's what I was asking for. Yeah, so that's what I got. All right, so that wraps up this particular podcast episode of the Perspective Podcast. Um, we enjoyed talking about the political candidates. We won't be doing politics all the time on this show. We will cover a, a few different topics, but right now it's just the political season just started up with the primaries and stuff. So uh, tune in next time. We'll cover something different. Um, my name is Eric. I'm an Andy. And I'm Lee. As always, thanks to Lee for producing this this uh, podcast and to Kamui for the music. You can reach him at kamui.bandcamp.com. And we have a couple other podcasts you might be interested in. One is on the San Antonio Spurs called Spurs Radio. Um, they're having a, a tremendous season, so check that out. Another one uh, is more of a pop culture podcast. We call it What's Good. Uh, Lee and I talk about a variety of topics, uh, including uh, music, comic books, movies, television. And uh, thank you again, Andy, for, for showing up. And you can reach us through email in the podcast description. And uh, send us any uh, questions, comments, or topic suggestions if you'd like. All right. Thanks.